Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you enjoy binge-watching the best TV shows and love hearing from the actors and showrunners who make them happen, then subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our Hollywood reporters take you behind the scenes of the year's most anticipated projects, the industry's biggest moves, and the hardest-fought awards races. From The Crown to The Real Housewives, we've got the inside scoop. As a special thank you to our still-watching audience, we're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Bring yourself back online. No one knows what I'm thinking. Tell us what you think of your world. Some people choose to see the ugliness in this world, the disarray. I choose to see the beauty. Welcome to Still Watching Westworld, an unofficial podcast about the HBO series Westworld. I'm Vanny Fair, senior writer Joanna Robinson, and joining me is a very special guest. She's a senior culture writer from Insider. It's Kim Renfro. Hello, Kim. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. Anyone who is a Westworld obsessive obviously knows who Kim is. She is the mastermind behind the Genius Season 2 timeline that you might have seen floating around here and there. And she also does great interviews and recaps of the episodes over on Insider. But Kim and I sort of um, on our own were nerding out a little bit about the finale trailer uh, that (laughs) came out and... Uh, so we thought we would do this little mini episode. There's no Richard, alas, though. I will be sure to represent for him when we get to the part where we talk about Ben Barnes. But um, <laughs> but Kim and I are just going to like take a little bit of time, run down the trailer, run down all the stuff we we saw in the trailer. We have neither of us seen the finale, um, which is titled The Passenger, which airs this Sunday. It's 90 minutes long. Oof. So yeah, so there's a lot coming. But we, there's so much uh exciting stuff i got really excited when i when i watched the trailer what was your what was your first thought kim when you when you watched the trailer 
I cheated and watched it before I rewatched the episode on Sunday. Me too. I did the same thing. <laughs> and I was honestly distracted for most of the next hour because all I could think of was these insane little moments that I had caught and I could not wait to reach out to watch it again and do exactly what we're doing now, which is go through like frame by frame by frame. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah. And I, my distraction was there's so much Logan played by Ben Barnes on this. Logan. And, and if uh, people listen to the main still watching episode that we released this week, you will have heard both Rich and I being like, we're never seeing Logan again. We're not going to see him again. That's it for <laughs> Logan. And, uh, and I was like, Oh damn it. Uh, here's a lot of Logan. No, but I'm excited, obviously. Anyway, so we are going to, go believe it or not frame by frame through this trailer we know that podcasting is not a visual medium uh so maybe you want to like cue up the trailer and watch it while we're talking kim do you want to give them some tips on maybe the best way to watch a trailer so you can catch every single frame yes i mean i'm sure that you know exactly how to do this too as part of our go-to writing techniques but if you go to the hbo official youtube page you can find the episode 10 season finale teaser trailer. And there's a little gearbox in the lower right-hand corner when you first open a YouTube video. And you can actually change the speed and add things like subtitles and whatnot, although the subtitles aren't always reliable. But my go-to is change the speed to usually 0.5 or even 0.25 if we want to get crazy. Whoa. Well, yeah, uh. at the end of the trailer, it gets kind of strobey and crazy. So that that might be an optimal moment for 0.25. But 0.5 should get you there as we as we roll through these things we saw. We should say once mm-hmm. again, we have no spoilers. Like, we don't know anything that happens in the finale. Um, you know, Kim and I both have been tracking the season fairly closely. Kim is a mastermind of the Reddit forum. So, like, she, <laughs> she knows everything. Um, um, but we have not seen the episode, and as far as I know, there aren't any major leaks about the finale. So I don't think right. we're operating with any sort of uh, off the off the books information here. Um, no. Oh, and one more hack for the YouTubes: if you pause the video, you can then use the arrow keys on your keyboard to go back or forth a frame. Can so you can literally just sit there and tap your arrow key. You're changing lives go, right now. Changing I'm trying. Lives. All right. <laughs> I'm here for. It's what Ford put me on earth to do. <laughs> the good Ford put you here <laughs> to help people go frame by frame through YouTube videos. So uh, this trailer opens. This trailer, we should say, has its own uh, title. What is the title of this trailer, Kim? This is the end. This is the end. So the the episode is called The Passenger, but the trailer, believe it or not, has its own title. This is the end. Um, and it, <laughs> Only Westworld. <laughs> it starts, it, there's some great uh, clicking sound effects throughout uh, the trailer, as they've been doing with a lot of the like previously, recent previously ons. Um, and I feel like, th- when did they start doing this? these sort of, it was like three episodes ago that they started doing these like very auditory previously on sequences for the show. Is that right? Right. The first I remember was the previously on after the Shogun World after episode, after Akane no Mai. Okay. And it was this really cool rehash of everything that happened in Shogun World that was just put to absolutely no words. It was awesome. So I, I almost wonder, I feel like the Nolans never do anything without purpose. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, you know, if there's something to come from all these like clicking noise because it's the same clicking noise kind of sounds like 
the cocking of a gun or maybe the unlatching of a door or I don't know if you have any other theories about what it might be but I like I just have my mind blown when when they released that Rick Roll trailer before the season <laughs> and then and we were all like it's nonsense it means nothing and then all of a sudden the dog and the piano were actually important for like one of the the major Ford reveal in the season right. you know what I mean and so I'm just like yeah the aspect ratio switch was there the whole time it was there the whole time so they're always you know they're always thinking <sighs> so you know look for clicks is, is my point okay mm-hmm. so the, the the trailer opens with a series of shots of doors uh, and we know that doors are really important this season so we've got what looks to me like a door in the side of uh, or, or an unopened door from the mesa and then hatch like doors in the side of what i would call the valley you've got like dusty dirty mountainside sort of thing um and then a door that is inside of sweet water and he- mm-hmm. here is where we should say if you're obsessively watching this trailer frame by frame that the aspect ratio is going to be once again important kim tell the listeners why the aspect ratio is important in this trailer that good old aspect ratio. So we were first introduced to that switch in episode six when Bernard entered the cradle. And that was sort of the signal that we were suddenly in somewhere that wasn't grounded in reality anymore. It was the simulated version of everything happening in Westworld. So when those black bars appear at the top and bottom of your screen, that means that you are in the cradle or now as we're heading into the finale inside the forge right which is just a larger more epic version of the cradle that has all the human data stored in it and by the by the looks of the trailer a lot of what happens in the finale is going to take place in the forge this is like a new term that was introduced this last week but like i i'm considering the forge kind of synonymous with the valley beyond which we have been talking about all season though we can kind of parse what the individual things mean but there is going to be like a virtual world that uh, a few of our characters uh, primarily Dolores and Bernard but uh, maybe one other one which we'll get to will go into to sort of see some old familiar faces but yeah if you're Mm -hmm. watching the trailer as Kim said when those black bars come up you'll be like oh this is forge footage not to be confused with ford footage whatever that might be, but, <laughs> but yeah. they had to do it it had to be close to ford <laughs> had to be way too close to ford but anyway so we have dolores and bernard walking uh, like walking out of a door it looks like i don't know maybe the mariposa or somewhere else into the streets of sweetwater um right. and then a sliding panel opens to show bernard in something that i have decided to call in my notes the forge antechamber because Ooh. like if you <laughs> If you remember when Bernard went into the cradle earlier this season, you know, there was the whole server room where Elsie was manning everything that had a bunch of like red lights and stuff like that. Uh, That's what I would call like the cradle antechamber. I mean, it's still the cradle, but it's not inside the cradle. Right. And so I think we see a lot of shots in this trailer in some place that's similar to that, but over on the forge side of the park. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So Forge Forge Antichamber would be my would be my note. Uh, and then we get our first uh, voiceover, which is Dolores saying freeze all motor functions, uh, which we are familiar uh, in hearing. And then uh, what looks to me like Bernard's doom buggy headed to the valley. And I think Bernard walking into the valley. Do you have anything, any, any thoughts so far? Yeah. I mean, we've definitely, we saw him get into the white right. QA car, leaving the, me- leaving the Mesa. And everyone else that we've seen so far has been in a black little buggy car. I don't know. It probably has a cooler name than that, but did <laughs> calling you, it a buggy car. Did you call it the Kiwi car? 
Is that what it's called? A buggy car. Oh, a buggy car. Okay. Like a dune buggy? Yeah, a dune buggy is what I've been that saying. That was the first thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's definitely Bernard's uh, buggy uh, head, headed <laughs> into the valley. Uh, and we know that everyone's converging pretty much on the same point, but but in two different timelines, it seems like. So possibly. So we've got uh, Bernard, Bernard and all that. And then we have Dolores say, let's try again. And then we get a really intriguing uh, set of shots, which is Dolores grabbing a pearl. Uh, then a shot of Ford in front of or behind a skeleton, and then Bernard's hand pulling a skull out of a printer. So, Kim, what do you think is happening here? It seems like they are building a person. Yeah. The big question is what point in time that's happening. It's not inside the forge. Right. It's in some point of reality. In but my, in my so Yeah, in my idea is that Dolores and Bernard like obviously they go they go into the forge we see a lot of footage of them inside the forge but with whatever information they get in there I feel like they come back out and they have information that they need to build a body which seems like it's part of Dolores's plan and uh, we see the shot later not to go out of order but we see the shot later of Bernard you know uh, Ford says like you know, all that's left to do is ask for help or whatever. And then uh, Bernard asks for help. And so it seems like uh, Dolores Bernard and, you know, Ghost Ford <laughs> <laughs> are building some bodies. Um, Just, you know, classic secret bodybuilding. Yeah, that's what Ford does. <laughs> Ford loves a secret body. He loves a secret body. So, uh, so we've got that going on. And then uh, we see shots of Bernard collapsing onto the beach, which is where we found him at the beginning of the season. So presumably, you know, we'll, we'll figure out exactly how he got there. Uh, and then we cut over to the Mesa, which seems to me like it's some kind of Maeve rescue um, that she doesn't need rescuing because she's got these new powers that Ford has given her. Mm-hmm. But uh, who, do we, who do we see there in the Mesa? Kim. We've got her whole crew back together. Mm-hmm. So there's Armistice, Hector, I feel like I'm going to butcher her name, but Hannah Royo. Yeah, I think that's right. I, yeah. Uh, and Lee Sizemore. <laughs> and then her other human confidants, Sylvester and Felix. So my guess is Lee, after seeing what was being done to Maeve, went to go round up the gang again right. to hopefully try and help her. But like you said, by the time they show up, it's like, oh, She's got this. <laughs> She's set bulls on people. <laughs> she doesn't need her help. Uh, I, I. Why do you think Sylvester is there? Just no other option <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I think he's ride or die now. Again, whether or not he's happy about it. He seemed very like uh, not interested in helping Maven, like begrudgingly there the whole time. And so I don't know that there will be time. I mean, it's ninety minute finale. I don't, but I don't know if there will be time. But I'd like to see the scene where Lisa Eisenberg is like, "Come on, we're gonna go rescue Maven." And <laughs> Sylvester's like, "But could I just get a like a helicopter out of here though? Could I just leave? That's all <laughs> I want to do, or hide maybe." So. No, everyone's dead. Oh, except true. us. True. Um, <laughs> I do love that we're finally getting the footage of this epic like bull destroying the mesa footage that was in the original super bowl trailer way back in february yeah so it wasn't just a tease i think at the time nolan said something like there was footage in that that maybe we wouldn't see in the show or something like that he's like it's not a real trailer Uh, right so i thought that the mave slow-mo bull scene was what he was talking about but i think he either specified or maybe it was James Hibbard over at Entertainment Weekly said that it was actually that shot of 
Dolores with her Wyatt henchman behind her, that like slow-mo circle scene where they're kind of on a ridge. Oh, okay. That is the footage that they shot just for that trailer. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, so now we're, we've got, we've got the bull happening, the bull that's also in the, in the opening credits this season. Um, and we also see Maeve, Maeve walks out and she's got her neck covered uh, and her arms covered. She's got some sort of like gray wrap on. And I feel like that's what she's going to be wearing for the rest of the episode because, uh, you know, to hide her like major wounds on her body sort of thing. Right. So. She's flayed. She's flayed, but she's still going strong. Um, Slayed and slaying. <laughs> we've got another forge shot. The black bars are back on the screen, and we have uh, Bernard and Dolores on the streets of Sweetwater. And this is the most one of the most intriguing shots to me is what we see next, which is Dolores sees herself, which really surprised me. She sees herself in the blue dress. And what really surprised me is that the forge not only has humans stored there, it has hosts stored there. So uh, we're working on a theory, Kim and I, about the way the forge works. And Mm -hmm. so my thought is, you know, maybe you can only navigate the forge. I kind of thought the forge would just be like a a place where everything's happening all the time at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) But that, that, but that, yeah, but that of course would be like bananas to show. So there are some shots in this trailer of a library. We have some other shots from other trailers of Dolores reading a book. Uh, So Kim and I cooked up this theory that perhaps the way you navigate uh, the forge is sort of like a, um, I don't know. It reminds me of that scene in Jurassic park where Lex is like clicking around the like actual visual like buildings. It's like, it's like through these books and maybe, you can only navigate one person's memory at a time is an idea we had. And so perhaps it's not that there's like a copy necessarily full copy of Dolores in the forge, but she exists in other in, in human memory. And so she'll show up in human memory. So uh, what's our theory about like who's, whose memory are they going to travel through in the forge Kim? Well, I think Logan is our strongest candidate for now based on how frequently we see him in shots with Bernard and Dolores mm-hmm. in this trailer. Yeah, I think that's right. And so we were thinking like if they if they pull a book off the shelf and travel into someone's memory, this is all just like a theory we have about <laughs> how the forge is organized, uh, that they might go ahead and grab Logan's book and 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 travel through Logan's memory, captured memory, captured consciousness uh, inside the forge. Uh, and, and then that, that would explain the next few shots we have. We have like a voiceover from Dolores saying, uh, you know, she says that which is re- real and then later completes it with is irreplaceable. But the next few shots are Bernard and Dolores and Logan uh, walking around. They walk past Jim Delos in the Mesa exam room holding a glass of liquor. So this might be like an early beta version of the Jim Delos bot that we know about. And then we see Dolores and Bernard at a party at, at uh, the Delos mansion, which we saw back in episode uh, Riddle of the Sphinx, episode four. So uh, yeah, it feels like Logan's taking him on the tour. Why do you think, Kim, I'm putting you on the spot, we didn't say that we would talk about this, but like, why, <laughs> why do you think that they would pick Logan as a good tour guide for Dolores and Bernard here? Well, Dolores knows that he's one of the first humans to visit the park. And he's certainly one of the earlier guests that she spent a lot of time around other than William. Right. So it would make sense that she might know to go to him for not only a connection between the outside world and the Delos park, but also for her own emotional connection to 
how her journey has come this far. Absolutely. I love that. And also um, his connect, like he would know things about the experiments on his father Mm-hmm. and all kinds of things. So, um, yeah, and I love this idea as Logan is our tour guide. We might talk about this a little bit more at the end, but I, I did really want to quickly mention um, this idea of the the idea of having like a guide. And obviously, like, uh, Logan was William's first guide into Westworld in season one. So this idea of him repeating uh, his role as a guide is kind of interesting. But um, mm-hmm. the idea of Dante's Inferno, which, you know, involves basically a tour of hell <laughs> and <laughs> you have a, a guide in your tour of hell. And so this idea of a guide, I think is a really interesting sort of uh, Dante esque feature of, of potentially this is our theory, you know, yeah. Theory. It also connects to all the sort of Greco Roman themes and art history that they've woven into this season a lot. Mm-hmm. And especially given that the Delos mansion also has these sort of architecture elements, but I looked up, uh, the guide of souls in Greek is called a psychopomp. Oh, which sounds like a really great nickname for Logan. Yeah, our favorite psychopomp. Um. Our favorite psychopomp. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, I'm sorry that Richard isn't here to talk about how much he loves Ben Barnes. But you guys all know that Richard's here in spirit. I I messaged him to let him know that Ben Barnes is in the trailer a lot, and I got a lot of explanation marks back. So you know, he's excited. It's the only response. <laughs> Um, we see we see a shot before we get to more Logan stuff. We see a shot of Dolores sort of cuddling Teddy on the ground. I imagine this this happens sort of like immediately after his death uh, that we saw mm-hmm. in this episode. I imagine it's a really early shot from the finale. Uh, is like right. what does Dolores do next now that Teddy's dead? Sort of shot. So yeah, I think it's also a signal that he's dead, dead because that happens right with her voiceover about that which is real is irreplaceable. And I think Teddy at this point is irreplaceable in his form as we've all known him. Yeah. I think Teddy as dead uh, and, and still going back to like Abernathy and Angela is dead. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. These, now that the cradle is gone uh, and I really don't think there are copies of these people in the forge, then, you know, that's it. Um, all right. So then we get more, more Dolores and Bernard and Logan, like walking down what I think are the steps of the Mesa in a kitchen that's probably in the Delos uh, mansion. And then Mm -hmm. we get, uh, Dolores and Bernard looking at that massive library that you and I had kind of talked about as maybe an entry point, uh, into the memories of, of the, of the humans stored there. And then we get a fun little sequence. <laughs> we get we get a William voiceover. He says, this is the end. Nothing else is in the way now. Then we get Dolores and William riding into the valley. And then Dolores cocks a gun. Arm says cocks a gun. Uh, I have a note that says a red future gun gets cocked. And I'm, I'm hoping it's Stubbs because I love him and I would like him to be there. And then William puts a gun to Dolores' head. So what do you make of this, of this little section here? So much gun cocking. <laughs> All the guns, all the people. Dolores, the thing the thing that strikes me the most about it is how pissed both Dolores and William look. Yeah. Dolores looks like she's almost challenging him to pull the trigger. Yes. Which makes me wonder what conversation precluded that face off. Yeah. Um, I, I completely agree. She's got her like most pissed face on. Um, and I, I would guess he just like he couldn't pull the trigger on himself last week. I, I'm guessing he can't pull the trigger on her. Right. Um, 
So, yeah, and we've got some footage. Uh, Kim did a great job pulling up some footage from other trailers uh, from the season. And so there's one that shows sort of like William, William next to a dune buggy with a dead Delos guy on the ground. And he looks like he's firing, but from a long way away at Dolores. Mm-hmm. So like I'm either he hits her and it doesn't kill her or whatever. But when he comes up to her head, I imagine uh, he won't be able to pull the trigger. Um and he says later, later we get some voiceover uh, from him where he was like, uh, what does he say? He's like, there's nothing left. It's only, there's nothing standing in the way. It's only us or something like that. Uh, yeah. And uh, as, and we've seen them riding into the valley. And so I feel like, you know, we're going to get William Dolores back together again, our, our favorite pair of lovers, <laughs> have this confrontation and then decide not to die right then and there and ride in ride into the valley together. Um, mm-hmm. And then it seems like they get separated because then she's with Bernard, but that seems like something that's going to happen. So, you know, right. Cause they really are mirrors of each other, especially this last episode when we finally saw the last day that Juliet was alive and the fact that they decided to juxtapose that with Teddy's suicide, right? They both lose these people that are so important to them in their life. And, they, and oh, sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, just all the horrible reactions and the fallout of that. Well, and they both kind of drove them there. Like they're both kind of right. monstrous enough that they drove these their their quote unquote loves to suicide. And it it seems it feels like to me that this is like now like a twisted take on their season one love story. It's just sort of like they had these other loves that were maybe like a, a healthier path that they decided not to take. And really mm-hmm. because they are like kind of, as you say, mirror images twisted inside and maybe only deserve each other, to be honest with you. So Ugh. I know I like people get mad no, when it's I talk true. about Dolores that way, but I'm just sort of like, <laughs> maybe, man, I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, so and then we get we get this interesting shot of what looks like to me Dolores and Bernard. I'm assuming she's talking to Bernard in the forge antechamber saying we will win. So like trying to convince him of something that they've got to her, her plan. And she's trying to convince Bernard that that's what they should do. Does that, is right. that your interpretation too? Yes. All right. We see a little ghost nation hands clasping. We see, uh, we get, I think it's a Logan voiceover saying I can see the bottom. Uh, yeah. That makes me. sense. Cause that's a mirror of James Delos's line. Yes. From when he was dying in uh, like host, version 149 of him i think it was mm-hmm. that bernard found the creepy <laughs> and it w- and he said what and we're all the way down now is that what he said mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so there's a lot of hell a lot of inferno hell imagery going on um mm-hmm. we see a shot of water pooling around bernard which to me looks like the beginning of the flooding of the valley right um right and one interesting yeah. thing about that too is if you toggle back and forth a little bit it looks like there's water bubbling up Right, kind of in front of him, as well as spo- like spooling in behind him. Absolutely, like right under his feet. There's a little like thing coming up. Yeah, yeah. Um, this to me, like my theory about how the valley gets flooded is, um, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but like the cradle, um, Jonah Nolan in extra, you know, behind the scenes interview talked about how the cradle was cooled by water. Right, um, and right. So my theory has been that, uh, not that it's a crazy theory, but that the forge, which is much bigger, <laughs> is also <laughs> cooled by water. And whatever, like, water is coming up is, like, you know, the coolant system has been broken. And that's how the valley gets flooded. That's my theory on that. What do you think? 
That makes a lot of sense. Also, we heard people were complaining about that QA tech who got seduced so easily by Angela. Yeah. But someone pointed out, I think it was on Reddit, that you can hear someone say, if you fire a gun in there, the whole thing's going to blow. Oh. So whatever the makeup is of that cradle, and then I assume the forge is hypersensitive to any sort of gunfire action, let alone a grenade the way that Angela took out the cradle. Right. But so, yeah, we do have a shot from the extra footage that you found of what looks to me and uh, correct me if I'm wrong as Bernard, like sort of holding a gun in that antechamber room, right? Yes. Yeah, because that's the great line that we get where he says, this isn't a dream. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> so, you know, maybe Jeffrey Wright fires a gun in in the forge and maybe and that's and maybe so when he says uh, in season two, episode one, I killed them all. Maybe mm-hmm. that's part of what he's referencing there. He flooded the valley by shooting a gun off uh, down there in the forge, possibly. Yeah, uh, I love this. I you, you are teaching me so much, Kim Renfro. Um <laughs> All right, uh, we see uh, we see in the modern timeline. This is like one of one of the one of the few like we definitely know is the modern timeline because there's a scars guard there. Uh, <laughs> Strand and Charlotte and Bernard are walking into what looks to me to still be the Forge antechamber. Uh, there's just a lot more red lights flashing, um, and it feels like maybe this is the after the after they flooded the valley and then drained the valley. This is what the antechamber looks like. Does that sound reasonable to you? Yeah, Okay. exactly. Yeah. Um. I'm Richard Lawson. I'm Chris Murphy. And I'm Hilary Busis. We are from Vanity Fair's Still Watching Podcast, a weekly television podcast that obsesses over all things TV. Chris, Hillary, and I are at your service to recap and analyze the best that's out there and what you should be watching. Plus, we're talking to the stars and showrunners about how exactly it all got made. New episodes of Still Watching drop weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. And then we get Dolores say, you woke me from a dream, Bernard. What do you make of that? Like, what dream, What? how did Bernard play a role in waking Dolores from a dream? Hmm. Boy. I mean, Bernard was right there on the first season finale when Dolores finally began to understand her own consciousness. Mm-hmm. Ford kind of monologues at both of them a bit about the human mind, right? Yeah. So she might be projecting blame. Like, she already killed Ford. So maybe in her mind, she's resolved any issues that she had with Ford and her life that she was condemned to in the park for so long. Yeah. But she might still hold Bernard accountable for some of that, too. I like that. Um, we Something that I like about the all the footage that we see in this trailer is I'm reminded of another line from that scene that you're talking about where Ford's monologuing because he says, like, the two of them always had an odd effect on each other. He's like, I always kept mm-hmm. you two apart because you had an odd effect on each other. And mm-hmm. so this idea of – and we've seen them interact this season and a little bit at the end of last season. But mostly, yeah, Dolores and Bernard are not together in a lot of scenes. And so to see them so intensively together in this finale um, makes me curious to see what the, what the odd effect they have on each other will be. Um, right in this finale when they're both at their most awake yes woke dolores woke bernard (laughs) um when we get we get some like filler shots a a delos mercenary draws his gun Uh, mave looks out over the valley so mave's down there in the valley um we've got a cradle shot of of logan beautiful shot of ben barnes beautifully crying um Mm. at at the delos house saying do you want to see what i see and this i think pairs with another shot we see of 
uh, it looks like it's out on the pool of the Delos house. And we see another shot of Jim Delos walking away from Logan at that same pool. So it just sort of seems like a memory of Logan trying to reason with his father, perhaps of like why he shouldn't do the experiment or why he shouldn't invest in the park and being ignored uh, sort of thing. Right. So, yeah. Like William has successfully ostracized Logan from his own family by convincing everyone that he's just crazy. Right. Which reminds me of, of what Juliet says uh, in this week's, this last week's episode where she's like, you poison my, you're a cancer in my family, a virus, mm-hmm. virus in my family, like first my brother, then my father, now me, um, mm-hmm. you know, so this is, this is a way in which William sort of wedged himself between Logan and his father. Um, mm-hmm. And then we get, okay, then we get my favorite pair of shots. We're going to, we're going to talk about all of this right, <laughs> right now. Kim, Kim Renfro, uh, I want you to give us your your Charlotte theory. So I'm going to reference a later shot that comes in that like flash section at the end of the trailer, uh, which looks to be Charlotte. If you got it, you got to slow it down. Watch it really slowly. Uh, it looks to be Charlotte looking at perhaps a host version of her own body. Uh, we're going a lot on haircut in that. Um, <laughs> And then you get this pair of shots right here, which is Charlotte leading into Bernard the way she did in its uh, episode seven, I think, at the end of episode seven. These are right. old shots, but it's Charlotte leaning into Bernard and then Dolores leaning into Bernard or, yeah, Bernard in the cradle paired together in a way that makes them look uh, very similar. So, Kim, why do you think these three shots, Charlotte finding her host body and then these two uh, shots we've already seen of leaning into Bernard, what does that mean to you, Kim Renfro? So the biggest thing right now is figuring out what everyone wants out of the forge, the valley, the door, whatever you call it, all three. And Dolores seems to be trying to find a way to destroy humans or at least dominate the human species and escape from the park. So it fits that Dolores might see the only solution to this as getting her own host brain into a human-looking body where she can pass as a real person. Mm -hmm. And Charlotte is a very good candidate for that for several reasons. Dolores knows that Charlotte is in charge of everything. We already saw her have that confrontation with her in the Mesa earlier this season. And then there's the whole 11 days later time frame that we have to contend with here which it's so hard to explain (laughs) i mean significantly we haven't seen dolores in the most modern timeline everything that happened right since bernard woke up on the beach to him going back to the mesa with strand and seeing what we thought was maybe charlotte there but maybe isn't like all this sort of stuff we haven't seen dolores so big question as they drain the valley as they stack poor dead teddy's body up in the mesa as all this Mm -hmm. stuff happens is where's dolores and since we've seen like consciousness like little mind eggs being pulled out of different people's bodies like is dolores in someone else's body. One of the great theories is that she was like inside Bernard's body, but I'm actually starting to just believe Bernard is Bernard. Where is she hiding? And Kim, you feel like this footage means she's hiding in Charlotte, maybe. Yeah. The pa- the paralleled shots of Charlotte and Dolores leaning in to speak to Bernard, combined with the fact that we know that in this 11 days later time frame, Charlotte seems hyper-obsessed with finding Abernathy. She always was because he was the key to this 
decryption of the data that's inside the forge. But if the forge is destroyed, why would Charlotte be so hellbent on that? But it makes a lot of sense if Dolores is still very hellbent on somehow recovering her father. Right. So maybe she uses, like, we, we know that Abernathy's mind egg thing is... Um, is a is the key to the forge so she mm-hmm. had to take it out of him and she was so sad to do it but she had mm-hmm. to take it out of him to use it to unlock the forge maybe once having done that if she puts it back in his body she can have her dad back which she seems to care about mm-hmm. and um and so that would explain why the person that looks like Charlotte uh, is, is so hellbent on finding Abernathy. It's fascinating to me. It makes me want to rewatch the whole season thinking about that theory that Dolores Ooh. is hiding in Charlotte. It never occurred to me that that might be where she was. So never. I, I love it. But yeah, this shot, the shot of Tessa Thompson seeing perhaps a host version of herself makes me think that that's the body that they're printing um, out of the forge the other question though right. is like if they're printing that body out of the, out of the forge if if bernard and dolores and ghost ford are printing that body whose pearl is it that oh that's maybe her putting her father's pearl into something to unlock the forge right okay it has nothing right. to do with that okay so she just needs a body she can pop her own little pearl in that body and then she is good to go all right right Love it. All right. And then we get the, we, we get uh, more information about sort of what Maeve and Akichita are going to be doing in this uh, finale because we see Clementine writing up a column of, of like, it's a, it's a long column of um, like town folk and Ghost Nation all marching towards a certain point. Uh, in the extra footage you found, Kim, um, there's a wider shot of just like a really long, long trail of people. Um, mm-hmm. And we know that Ford... Uh, told Akijita basically that he was going to play Moses, basically, right to right. to to his people. When when this happens, when the Deathbringer comes for me, when Dolores kills me, uh, you have to lead your people. And so right. uh, this seems to be like what Akijita is doing is like leading a column of people. But then we know that Charlotte is using um, Clementine as sort of a bomb to kill them all. So we see right. Clementine riding up uh, her beautiful white dress, like smeared in blood. <laughs> looks, mm. It looks great. Uh, it <laughs> up the column of people, we see Maeve and uh, Hector. And I believe Akichita sort of at the front top of the column. People will talk about what is also there in a second. Um, mm-hmm. And Maeve says like run. And so mm-hmm. it feels like, you know, here's, here's Clementine, the bomb and uh, Maeve, knows how dangerous she is and is trying to save the people. But I imagine like a lot of those people are going to die. Uh, right. So what, what are your, what are your thoughts? On, did I get that right? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, the most interesting thing to me about it is that we know that Clementine's mesh network powers don't work on hosts like Bernard who are super woke. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering how many of the people in that group that Akichita is leading have achieved maximum woke level yeah. and how many Clem will be able to actually control. Right. Cause we see some scrum uh, and we see um, armistice fighting. We see Hector fighting. Right. So like, are they woke enough to be able to, uh, you know, resist her powers or are they not, you know, right. like Maeve will be fine. 
a Kichito will probably be fine, though we see him sort mm-hmm. of maybe defending himself. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, are, are some of the other hosts that we care about, not just like the, the red shirts, but like the ones that we care about that are there, are they woke enough to resist uh, Clint's right. powers? So, right. Uh, it's a good question. Um, and I'm, I, I'm sad to find out what the answer is. And, mm-hmm. uh, we see that shot we already talked about Bernard asking Ford for help. We see Charlotte in her doom buggy headed towards the valley. And then we see the craziest thing of all, which I think is linked to this other thing we haven't mentioned yet, which is I've got in my notes, it says a laser thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're, you have another uh, name for it. What do you have? A- well, in the future, lasers are just six lasers. <laughs> just- <laughs> a future laser is just more lasers. So. <laughs> just more. Flashlight, three flashlights, <laughs> lasers, six lasers. Good. Um, yeah. So we see this this like laser type apparatus that perhaps is connected to something that is at the head of this long column of people where Maeve is standing, which I'm calling the rift. We see a big tear mm-hmm. uh, in what looks like the fabric of the world and uh, something else beyond a valley perhaps beyond <laughs> it uh oh God. that that is that is green compared to the dusty barren valley that they're in so a different world beyond this world and that seems to tie to like um what logan says about um you know when he was talking to akichita and he was like we're this is the wrong world you're in the wrong world you know and that's something that's a notion that akichita carried with himself uh right what do you th- are we, is this all a prequel to uh the stephen king story under the dome like what do you think <laughs> of this rift in the fabric of the world yeah I don't think it's an actual rift in space time uh-huh. or whatever you yeah, want to yeah. call it. I think it's just like they have been in some sort of enclosed biodome right. effectively. I think they're still on an island, but we heard Elsie say earlier in the season that they that QA had got climate control back online, which adds up if they're in some sort of controlled digital environment mm-hmm. that makes it sunny or makes the sky or the distant geographical features fixed. It was all, this would also explain why we saw Mount Fuji in Shogun world with that beautiful shot. I was like, there's no freaking way they built an entire mountain on this Island. But if it's a distant hologram, that would make sense. Oh, hologram. I mean, I, I think the Mount Fuji question that I got a lot, well, it's just, it's the snow. Like, why is it snowing in Shogun World? Which is exactly what you're talking about. Right. A biodome right. where different things are controlled. So, uh, so tearing that open seems to be, and going out of it seems to be what Akichita and Maeve perhaps want to do, which surprises me because I actually thought Akichita would want to go into the forge. But uh, it's, yeah. it seems like he and Maeve... Uh, you know, fulfilling their messianic sort of roles are just interested in getting the people out. And maybe this is a way out where the uh, the explosives in their spines won't detonate. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Maybe it's like an alternate, mm-hmm. alternate exit where mm-hmm. they can keep their host bodies but go into the world, whereas Dolores wants to maybe put everyone in uh, these like human passing bodies. Right. That she's making in the forge. So those, you know, like you said before, the most important thing to think about as everyone converges on one spot is what does everyone want from it? Right. 
And, you know, Dolores has her idea of what will be the salvation of, uh, you know, the hosts and Akichita and Maeve seem to agree on another version. And I am inclined to <laughs> agree with Maeve and Akichita generally. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah, we've also, you know, we, we talked about the fact that we haven't seen Dolores uh, in the modern, modern storyline. We have also not seen Maeve or Akichita in the modern right. storyline. So that could either mean that they die here in the valley um, though some of the last shots of this trailer makes me think not, or they escaped through that tear uh, in the right. dome. So, all right, yeah, all right. Um, if there is a dome, though, how do we explain the like ships that came in in the season premiere? Like there was a ships right off the shore. Yeah, there. maybe it extends out a bit into the sea, okay. and the ship, you know, and like um freaking wonder woman wonder woman i was thinking wonder woman yeah <laughs> yeah okay right right so like the ship somehow passes through Penetrated the, the barrier okay yeah, yeah yeah i love it all right um okay so then we've got what else what are we missing a Dallas guy getting gored by a bull fun times uh bernard in the antechamber bernard surrounded by a white light the surrounded by white light shot almost to me looks like this is how you get in versus yeah that's what yeah. i thought yeah yeah um, it's like a fancier version of the thing that latched onto his head, his head in the off. cradle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we got a bunch of forged shots. So we've got uh, Dolores and Bernard in Jim Dellis's uh, round room. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Do you have anything to say about that? Well, for those who have been following the alternate reality websites that, a- that HBO makes, there's one that's the Delos Incorporated and if you use the secret password, the same password that Charlotte actually logged into that uh, lab on the very first episode, it's X Omega CH, you are brought to a door, which is a door that we've seen in the Mesa. That's actually the link between the Mesa and the train that takes people into the park. And then it's this like 3D room that you can explore with your mouse. And it's filled with a bunch of links to videos, mostly all of William, some of William and Emily, and some of William and James Delos. So there's some sort of mix-up happening with William and Delos and the host Delos fidelity test that we saw on episode four that seem to be converging possibly in this finale. And so this makes me, uh, this, this inspires me to ask my most important question about this trailer, which is where is Jimmy Simpson? Um, I like, you know, we get Ben Barnes as young Logan, but like, if we're going to go into the cradle, like we got to have young William in there, right? Is my, is my hope and prayer. So, uh, you know, is it possible? I mean, we see only Dolores and Bernard in this room, but is it possible that that uh, site that HBO has put up uh, is leading us to some sort of young William, reveal i don't know we'll see but yeah i I would hope so i hope that logan is like the shiny bright thing that they put in this trailer to make everyone excited and then when you really think about it it means that we have to have jimmy simpson's william back too in some capacity of course we do um we see uh, Jim Dellis gunslinging on the streets of Sweetwater, which Kim, like, and I agree with her, says, like, it's just probably a memory of, of Jim visiting the park. Uh, we see Dolores and Bernard walk into the Dellis mansion, uh, is what it looks like to me. We mm-hmm. see Jim Dellis walking away from Logan at the pool, which we talked about. Then we get, like, a pair of really interesting shots. We get a, I'm going to call it a robot arm. You can call it mm-hmm. whatever you want. And a book. <laughs> and- <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> do you have and, it, and the robot arm appears to be writing in the book. So I think this links to our library theory. But what do you, like what do you think that this means, Kim? Right. I think it it ha- it must connect to this imagery of the Forge Library, and I think it would make sense if we know we know William loves books. Sure. They've reminded us so many times. <laughs> William, I heard he's a William reader. loves books. <laughs> That silly poor kid <laughs> reading books like Slaughterhouse Five um, <laughs> and the obscure and some Plutarch, yeah. a little light reading, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, casual stuff. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense if we know that William was the person who conceived of this forge project, and he brought Dolores there in the early days of construction. So he probably had a hand in designing it. So it would make sense if this robot arm is the way that data is possibly cataloged and literally written into books, but just fancy robot books of code that are then stored for people like Dolores to wander into the forge and peruse. Yeah. So once again, it like, it just reminds me of, or it makes me feel like uh, Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy felt like there needed to be like a very clear, like visualization Mm -hmm. of how this system works. It can't Mm -hmm. just be like chaotic. Everyone's everywhere. So the idea of like, okay, this robot arm, which looks insane. I'm sorry. (laughs) I might look great in context in the trailer. Kim and I both were like, what the hell is that? Uh, This robot arm writes into the book uh, is continuously updating people's books until, you know, like Logan, they overdose on heroin or something like that. So, uh, yeah, so this idea of it of it writing. And then the next shot I also think is equally interesting because if you look at, you keep track of the black bars on your screen, uh, we see Ed Harris in the cradle, uh, old William right. in the cradle. So I was worried the first time I saw the trailer that he wasn't going to make it into the cradle, uh, die in the valley or something like that, but uh, he's there in the cradle. So that further underlines to me that we could have some fun stuff going on with Juliet, with Emily, with uh, Jimmy Simpson, like who knows? and what what William will decide. One theory that I quite like is that William will decide to stay in the forge uh, Mm. because it will give him an opportunity either to just like, as his younger self, be with Dolores or uh, be with Juliet or be with Emily. Right. Um, And then when it gets blown up, he will be destroyed with it. Because I don't think, I don't think that the character of William can survive past this season after we saw him do what he did to Emily. So um, it feels like to me that he has to die in this finale um, because he's no longer even like an antihero that we can occasionally root for after what he did. So, yeah. Um, totally agree yeah and and this whole idea of like the door and ending where you began which is ford's whole quest for him like the fact that he would go back and i've always thought that that meant he would come face to face with some version of his younger self with of jimmy simpson and so like that seems to me like something that could happen in this finale so right yeah begins where you end ends where you began yeah right nailed it mm-hmm. uh we got the rift widening We've got that shot we already mentioned of Charlotte seeing herself as a host. We've got Akichita fighting uh, someone that Kim, I think, rightly identified as new Maeve, a uh, replacement Maeve in the Valley. The, yeah. the woman who was at the homestead because she's got Maeve's old blouse on. Um, right. Hector fighting the Valley, Maeve in the Valley, and then Maeve's hand going up as our final shot. And we know that Maeve has like new powers that we haven't seen yet. Uh, I wrote this 
like big piece, not big piece, everyday piece on Vanity Fair <laughs> about my theory that like Maeve is definitely gonna have to kill Clementine in this season, in this episode. Yeah. That, that that's something that the show has been hinting at with like the reflected versions of Clementine, like Sakura or like the blonde, like Maeve already killed the blonde Clementine. Sakura died, like all this sort of stuff. Like that, that's going to be something that Maeve has to do, and it's going to be terrible for her to have to do it to save whoever's left. Um, right. Once once uh, the Clem bomb goes off. So, um, what do you, what do you think is gonna is gonna happen uh, when all is said and done in the valley? Yeah, I think that hand going up is a signal of Maeve trying to reestablish control. Yeah. And given how far she's come, and we know that Ford, I don't know if everyone watched the behind the scenes video that HBO put out after Sunday's episode. But they pretty explicitly say that Ford's final gift to her was giving her back that mesh control superpower, basically. When he says, um, I forget exactly what the phrase is. It was like unlocking key core, privileges core or permissions. Or, or permissions. Okay, so so they so okay. Um, uh, so I misinterpreted. I thought he was giving her like even more on top of the mesh network control. But you feel like they are equally matched now. Clementine and Maeve both just have. Uh, mesh control uh, powers. I think their mesh control powers are equally matched. I think Maeve automatically has the leg up because she's actually aware right. and wasn't ever lo- lobotomized. The the only disadvantage Maeve is going to have is going to be this like uh, emotional connection she has with Clementine, right. who is like a quasi daughter to her, and um, you know, all, so much of her season one finale. Uh, moves and choices had to do with her daughter. And so this idea mm-hmm. of like Maeve as Uber mom and like her choice. Uh, Ford says something to Maeve in this week's episode when right before he gives her that little smooch on the forehead, he says, it's, like, <laughs> ter- it's a terrible after thing to watch your children die or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't know if it's to like it to save Anna, her real daughter, she has to kill Clementine, her substitute daughter, or just to save everyone. She has to kill Clementine. But like, that right. feels like something that's going to happen. And I, I, for one, am already, I'm sad in advance about it, yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, all right. So we talked about Dante. We talked about uh, this extra footage. The only other thing I had on my list to talk about was uh, the Nolan, because I always love talking about the Nolan filmography when trying to understand <laughs> Westworld. So I want to talk to you about the film Inception. Um, wow. Um, <laughs> Inception is actually a film that Jonathan Nolan doesn't have a screenwriting credit on. He has credit on all the other Christopher Nolan films, um, but not Inception. But still, like the themes of the Nolan filmography translate across uh, all of their work. This idea of like dead wives and multiple timelines and um, consciousness and technology and our relationship and all of that sort of stuff. So I think it's worthwhile to think about Inception when we think about The Forge. Because Mm -hmm. this idea of traveling into your own memory or traveling into someone else's memory um, and this idea of a place where reality doesn't quite have an effect and so anything kind of goes sometimes or you're just observing Mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, I don't know. those Those are just some of the, like, I just got an immediate Inception vibe from the trailer. Do you have any Inception-y thoughts, Kim? Well, yeah, building on, I mean, the same idea of having to handle different realities that you're suddenly stuck in. There's also the passage of time to take into account because we don't technically know if time works inside the cradle or the forge 
the way that it does in the real world. Right. I felt like Bernard told Elsie to give him an hour, right? When we saw him enter the cradle. Right. Yeah. But it seemed like he might have been in there for longer than an hour to me. Like they walked all the way to Arnold's fancy house that was somewhere like in the middle of not nowhere, at Sweetwater. On a hill. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that our characters who are in the forge can possibly spend more time there than like the time is going to pass differently for the folks in the Ford, AKA Bernard and Dolores and all the chaos that's happening actually in the park in real time. Right. So to recap, I love that. So to recap, we've got Maven Akichita and all of their associated people are sort of part of this Clementine showdown rift laser thing in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Dolores and Bernard are like visiting, touring the forge and printing people. Uh, that's what, that's what they're doing. Bodybuilding. Body, bodybuilding <laughs> by Ford. Um, <laughs> and Charlotte uh, is maybe in both timelines trying to figure out what's going on or just like in the very current timeline at the forge trying to figure out what's going on. Right. Right. Um, and then we, but we also have that threat that Dolores gave to Charlotte uh, at the end. You know that Charlotte is going to be ne- kind of near wherever Clementine is in theory. So, right. uh, you know, Dolores said you'll die in that Valley. So we might see Charlotte, the real Charlotte die. And um, this is a host, host version of her and am i miss and william william is going to have a showdown with dolores and it appears not win and possibly go into the forge himself and maybe stay there is there anything else i'm missing and then we're just gonna have to resolve whatever's happening in this 11 days later it's crazy. time frame i can't believe that that's so. like still a thing that hasn't like the shoe hasn't dropped entirely on it yet uh, i have a feeling my entire timeline project is about to have like 5,000 wrenches thrown into it. My spreadsheet's going to be a nightmare. Let's just, let's just just enjoy the denseness of Westworld that we just spent like 50 minutes talking about a five minute trailer. Um, (laughs) I think it's like 90 seconds. (laughs) Oh, it's 90 seconds. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Wow. That's even worse. So... (laughs) That's something that we did today with our time. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Kim, where can people find your work as we as we head into the final episode of Westworld Season 2? Yeah. Well, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm at Kim R. Renfro. And my writing lives on www.thisisinsider.com. Great. I'm Joan Robinson. You can find me on VanityFair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. Richard and I will be back with an episode probably Monday uh, because we don't have a screener uh, to talk about the 90-minute finale. We will see you then. Hi, I'm Michael Calori, the co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. And I'm Lauren Good, the other co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. Get ready to dive deep into the cultural phenomenon that's been shaping conversations, sparking movements, and breaking barriers for over a decade. 
The new three-part docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, based on the groundbreaking Wired cover story by Jason Parham, explores everything from the fun, games, and inside jokes that characterize the early years of Black Twitter, to the social movements, the voices, and the hashtags that made Black Twitter an influential force in nearly every aspect of American political culture. Join us as we unravel the threads of this digital community, tracing its origins, celebrating its triumphs, and exploring its impact on society at large. Watch the series from Onyx Collective in association with Wired Studios, premiering on Hulu on May 9th.